Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Welcome to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel. Today's episode is the second in a series that I'm doing on the nutritional aspects of different global cuisines. Last month, we talked with dietitian Vandana Sheth about traditional Indian food and diets. And today, we're going to continue our exploration of nutrition around the world with a tour of Colombian cuisine. Unless you've actually spent time in Colombia yourself, I think there are a few things in today's episode that are going to surprise you. Joining me to talk about this is Sandra Arevalo. She's a registered dietitian nutritionist and an expert on Latino culture and health. Sandra grew up in Colombia and emigrated to the United States as a young adult, and she currently serves as the Director of Community and Patient Education at Montefiore Nyack Hospital, as well as a spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Welcome to the podcast, Sandra. Thanks so much for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for this opportunity to talk about Colombian cuisine. So I think a lot of North Americans aren't terribly familiar with Colombian cuisine. It's not one of the so-called ethnic cuisines that's become very widespread in the United States. So first, just give us an idea for those of us who are not familiar. What are some of those characteristic hallmarks of traditional Colombian cuisine? Well, first of all, let me clarify, you know, usually just for Colombia being in Latin America, people have this misconception that we eat hot, spicy foods, right? Mm -hmm. I think that the influx of Mexico in the United States is obviously pretty high. And we don't necessarily eat the spicy foods. That's, you know, most of the time the first surprise that people have. Colombia food is not spicy. It's very savory and flavorful, but not spicy. And another of the characteristics is that in Colombia, we have a huge abundance of foods depending on the climate. So even though, you know, we are near the Ecuador, most people also think that because the country is near the Ecuador, it's just hot all the time. And it's not. In Colombia, we have a huge variety of climates. And it goes depending on the altitude. So in the lower altitudes near the coast, you know, we have different agriculture. And as you go up in the mountains, the weather starts to change, the climate, the temperature, and so does the agriculture. So we have a huge variety of foods and typical dishes depending on 
you know, where we are located in Colombia. Sure, I guess we see the same thing here in the United States. The cuisine in New England is very different than the cuisine down on the U.S.-Mexico border or up in the Pacific Northwest. It depends on, as you say, the climate and what foods are grown and raised in those areas. Exactly. So, you know, it's very interesting because most most of the time people ask, what is one traditional dish? And mm-hmm. that's so hard for me to answer. I'm like, well, I can tell you with the one where I grew up, you know, the one where I am from. But it's really not one dish that characterizes the whole Colombian culture. Fair enough. Um, you know, you mentioned that people assume that it's going to be hot and spicy because that's what we know of Mexican cuisine. And there are a lot of cuisines that we associate with certain spices. So when we think of Indian food, we might think of turmeric and cumin or Italian food we associate with oregano. Is there a spice or spice combination that is very typical of Colombian cuisine or... I actually love that question because we use a lot of fresh herbs and vegetables to give flavor to our food. So for us, the the flavor comes from what we call guiso or sofrito. You know, it's it's that combination of uh, tomatoes, onions, red onions, or esca- and scallions and garlic. And sometimes we add lemon juice and all of that is what gives Colombian food all the flavor. It sounds extraordinarily fresh, like there's a real emphasis on fresh produce. Yes, absolutely. Well, and that must be one of the sort of nutritional highlights of the Colombian diet as well, is so much fresh fruit and vegetable and uh, these fresh ingredients, very nutritious as well. Sandra, one of my good friends also grew up in Colombia, and I remember when she first came to the United States, one of the things that she missed most was all the fruit and fruit juice that is apparently really central to Colombian, not just meals, but celebrations. She was always looking around at parties. Where's the fruit juice? (laughs) Is that something that you also can identify with? Yes, totally. So not only fruit juice, but Everything, like we cook with fruits, we use fruits for desserts, for juices, for flavors and sauces. And, you know, it's it's a huge component of our culture. And that's back of being fresh, right? Like there are so, the variety of fruits is, is, a, is a lot. So, you know, here I know that you have to think twice about fa- finding a fruit tray in a party. Well, with us, it's like the first thing that you put out. So how many servings of fruit and fruit juice would a typical Colombian eat on a daily basis? Hmm, That's a very good question. I mean, usually we eat fruit for breakfast, then definitely as snacks, uh, then in, in fruit juices, you know, with every meal. So I will say that at least six or seven, at least. Wow. But of course, fruit, one of the reasons it's so yummy is that it's also quite a bit higher in sugar. And especially with fruit juice, is there any concern about the amount of sugar, even natural sugar, that that contributes to the typical Colombian diet? No, absolutely not. And let me tell you why. Because when you're using the fresh fruit to prepare the juices, you know, you're just blending the fruit and you don't need to add any extra sugar. You're just using what the fruit has. And then you just add water to it. So you're on top of that, you know, you're watering down the sugar from the fruit. So Mm. we don't have that concern. 
And you said they also, you also use fruit quite a bit as dessert. So instead of a sweet dessert, you're going to have some fruit instead. Exactly. So, you know, instead of having ice cream or anything like that, if you're still craving for something sweet at the end of a meal, you just slice a mango and you can eat that. So what are some of the, maybe the less healthy aspects of a traditional Colombian diet? It can't be all good news. No, no, it's not all good news. So here is the bad news. And I like to say it's the F word because this it's is a family friendly <laughs> podcast, Sandra. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure of that. So the F word is fried. Mm-hmm. So we fry a lot of the food. So, you know, fried meats, fry, um, obviously eggs and even rice. Uh, sometimes rice goes fried, fried plantains, yuca, potatoes. So meats, so we use a lot of frying. However, you know, again, depending on the region, then other regions use dishes that are more like boiled or stewed, but definitely frying is a popular way of preparing meals. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Every day feels like Saturday, and French fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide, and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it, between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics, because that's who we are. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. What role does meat play on a traditional meal? Is it a center of the dish the way it often is in traditional American cuisine? Is it a smaller portion of the meal? No, it's central as well. Definitely, you know, in Colombia, when you're preparing your meals, it's like you first think of the meat. Okay, what's the meat going to be? And then you prepare around it. But the good thing is, you know, the salad is also there. So it balances it out a little bit. In the recent iterations of the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, which seeing as you practice as a dietitian here in the States, I'm sure you're very familiar with those. We've seen this emphasis moving meat out of the, off the center of the plate and into a more subsidiary role. And the guidelines have been evolving over the years to emphasize more and more vegetables, less meat, and also less starches. So we're now being told half of our plate should be vegetables, maybe a quarter is a small serving of meat, and a quarter is a moderate or small serving of starches. So how would you apply those kinds of 
nutritional guidelines to a Colombian diet? So not much different than that. You know, we can definitely do the same thing. You know, something that we shouldn't forget is that, remember how I told you in the beginning, that the base for our flavor is onions, tomatoes, peppers, garlic, and all of these. So a lot mm -hmm. of our dishes already have that sauce and, you know, that we call guiso or sofrito that, you know, are going to provide some, some portion of the vegetables that we need to eat for the day. So the interesting part is that here, you know, we say, okay, half a plate of, of vegetables, you know, in typical Colombian food, you might not see the half a plate of vegetables, but the vegetables will be incorporated into soups, rices, stews, you know, and different um, dishes. So you don't really need to see the vegetables on the side. Although, you know, salad is very popular, just the regular lettuce, tomatoes, cucumbers type of salad. You know, usually every time you're going to eat that, you know, with whatever meal you're eating. Uh, but then again, the rest of your vegetables might already be in your plate as part of the preparation of the meal. I've never had a chance to travel to Colombia. I hope one day I will. But if I were there, are there, might I encounter some exotic foods that would surprise me? What might I only come across in Colombia? <sighs> exotic foods are a lot and usually they're protein based. So guinea pigs are like a delicacy in Colombia. And so are what we call hormigas culonas. So it's like, it will translate something like big, but. Uh, ants, you know, because they're actually, that's what they look like. You know, they have a big behind. And what we do is that we roast the ants and then we take the pots and the head out and we eat the, the part of the body that is bigger, the butt basically. And let me tell you, it's delicious. You just sprinkle salt <laughs> over it and it tastes just like peanuts. Is that how big it is? About the size of a peanut? It's about the size of a peanut. Yeah. Wow, that's a big ant. Doesn't it have sort of a hard, crunchy shell? Don't ants have sort of an exoskeleton? Does that have to be removed? No, it doesn't have to be removed. Um, it is hard, but it's not that hard. You know, it's more like soft shell crabs. You know, if I have to compare, I will compare with soft shell. Yeah, crabs. Anybody who just thinks that's horrifying to think about <laughs> eating a big ant, you just consider that here in my part of the country, in the Mid-Atlantic, we eat soft shell crabs. So. Yes, exactly. So, But I want to circle back to the guinea pig for a second. Mm -hmm. Is that a red meat, a white meat? Would you, we always say about these exotic meats, taste kind of like chicken. Is that what we would get or does it taste more like pork? It tastes more like rabbit. <laughs> okay. Another so a little gamier. Exotic, yes, an, an, another exotic meat. No, I think it tastes a little bit more like pork, but you eat it roasted and just basically only lemon and salt to give flavor because the meat is pretty flavorful. So you don't need to put a lot of things and you just roast it. And, you know, it gets very crunchy. Actually, the skin gets very crunchy. So a lot of people love to eat the skin and the meat is really savory. You know, I'm going to be actually speaking to my friend who grew up in Colombia later today. And, you know, I'm going to be asking her if she's ever eaten guinea pig or big butt ants. So thank you for that ammunition. Yes. <laughs> Actually, you know, again, it depends on where she's from. Bucaranga. Uh, Bucaramanga. Then she might have had the ants because that's where the ants are from. Okay. 
I will ask her about that later. But the guinea pig is actually from the south of Colombia near the Ecuador. Now, if you go to the east is where it is. it's called the Llanos Orientales. So it's all, all like a big valley, but they also eat chihuito. So chihuito, I don't even know how to say chihuito in English. Looks a little bit like a porcupine. And so they eat that as well. So then again, you know, it's like depending on where you are, you're going to find every kind of thing. And are those cultivated like in, as livestock or are they more like wild game that people would hunt in the forest or something? You mean the chihuitos? They're more wild. Yes, they're more wild. While the guinea pigs, people actually cultivate them to eat them. Well, bringing it back to something maybe a little bit more familiar for American listeners, when you cook traditional Colombian food today uh, for your family, for your friends, what kind of modifications might you make to the traditional recipe to maybe make it a little bit healthier, a little bit more in align with our more modern view of healthy diets? Well, I add more vegetables for once. So, you know, I put a lot more sauce and I make my salad that usually accompanies my plate bigger. Um, Also, I try not to fry as much, obviously. So I prefer to turn things into stews or boiled or steam instead of frying. Those are like my main changes. But also something that I usually do is that I only cook one starch. If we're going to eat rice, rice it is, but I do not do rice and pasta. I could not. Well, it's all about the portion size, right? And the proportions. Yes. Yes, that's right. Sandra, this has been fascinating. Um, I, we went in directions I did not anticipate going, but I, I had a lot to learn about Colombian cuisine and I have a feeling a lot of those people listening today do as well. So I want to thank you for this quick tour of and orientation to Colombian cuisine. And the next time that any of us have an opportunity to sample some of these dishes, I think we're all going to feel a little bit more confident and perhaps also a little more curious about them. Okay, thank you so much, Monica. So listeners, where should we go next in our tour of world cuisines and nutrition? Drop me an email at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com and let me know what cuisine you think we should explore next. And one more quick announcement before we wrap up. As you may know, Brock Armstrong of the Get Fit Guy podcast and I have teamed up to create a coaching program called Way Less, in which we help people create the mindset, habits, and lifestyle that allow them to weigh less without dieting. And we're offering a free workshop on April 6th to share some of the methods and the tools that we've developed for that program. If you'd like to join us, you can register for free at wayless.life slash QDT workshop. That's wayless.life slash QDT workshop. The Nutrition Diva podcast is written by me, Monica Reinagel. It's edited by Karen Hertzberg. Our producer is Nathan Sems. And our team at Macmillan Audio also includes Michelle Margulis, Morgan Ratner, Emily Miller, our intern, Claire Freeman, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack. 
America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.